Do you like to sweat? Do you enjoy working out? Are you looking for new exercise or fitness ideas? Or are you simply interested in learning more about how to live a healthier lifestyle? If you're looking for information or resources on how to use exercise to improve your quality of life, then All About Fitness is for you. My name is Pete McCall, and I'm a fitness professional who's been educated in training personal trainers since flip phones and portable CD players were popular. I started this podcast to provide a source of reliable information about how to use exercise to help you live your best life possible. Just because we're all getting a little older does not mean we have to give up our favorite sports or recreational activities. The main theme of All About Fitness is to feature the types of exercise that can slow down the biological aging process and to help you learn how to use exercise to be your personal fountain of youth. All About Fitness is brought to you by the new TerraCore Fitness Platform. The TerraCore combines a step, bench, and balance platform into one piece of equipment, creating a number of unique features to help you reach your fitness goals. Please visit Vicore, V-I-C-O-R-E fitness.com for more information. Most trainers and group fitness instructors working in the fitness industry have education credentials such as a college degree or professional certification. However, there are a number of people working in fitness who are actually former professional athletes. For individuals who once made a career out of training and competing, Working in fitness provides a natural transition to a second career, helping others achieve high levels of physical performance. The next few episodes of All About Fitness will feature interviews with former professional athletes who now make a living as fitness professionals. No one becomes a professional athlete by accident. Anyone who has achieved the rank of pro as an athlete knows how to focus on goal setting, and this experience can be useful for helping others learn how to live healthier lifestyles. Plus, Who wouldn't want to brag to their friends that they're training with a former Heisman Trophy candidate, a top draft pick, or professional fighter? If you're looking for a little extra motivation for your workout program, you may want to consider training with a former pro athlete who can help you improve your personal game. Today on All About Fitness, I'm excited to feature an interview with Rob McCullough, a former professional fighter who earned a WEC lightweight championship belt. Currently, Rob is the Senior Director of Mixed Martial Art Programming for UFC Gyms. Rob was training in the Southern California hotbed of mixed martial arts as it became popular in the early 1990s. He worked and trained with a number of top pros, including Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. On this episode of All About Fitness, Rob and I talk about how he got started in professional fighting, the growth of mixed martial arts, and how MMA training can benefit your fitness program. All About Fitness is brought to you by Active Motion Bar, the first weighted bar to feature a shifting mass. The unique challenges created by the Active Motion Bar allow you to recruit more muscles and has been found to be 170% more effective than training with a standard static weight bar. For more information, please visit ACTIVMotionBar.com. The Active Motion Bar. Let the resistance move you. Let me ask you a little background, Rob. How did you get started in martial arts? I got started in martial arts, I mean, God, I, I was born essentially into it because my father was into martial arts. He, uh, I think he did a little bit like Taekwondo and Judo, so I know he'd always go train and I was always like, oh, I want to I wanna do that. I remember he brought me to his dojo one time when I was a little kid and they asked me, hey, you want to train? And I said, yeah. And I did, they said, do you know your right from your left? And I was like, ah, oh. I mean, I was that young. 
So like when you figure it out, so I remember I was like, oh man. But I was training with my dad, kind of got that started and watching Bruce Lee movies and you know Chuck Norris movies as a kid. Yeah, it's because you grew up in like the 80s when, everybody, when you had an yeah. action adventure. Because I think a lot of guys our age, that's what got us into fitness, right? We saw all these like all these movies and the, the, big, the big guy with the big muscles kicked ass and got the women. Is that kind of one of the motivating things that got you started? I definitely would say so. I, I would say it was between the TV shows, the movies. Uh, my dad and I, he was a Vietnam vet, watching, you know, just nonstop those kind of movies and uh, having six sisters. Oh, so geez. realizing about the time that, hey, everybody wants to come to my house for the sleepover and, you know, think it's because they think I'm the coolest kid. Yeah. It's because they got, have a bunch of sisters. So I started going, oh man, like I was very protective. Was that, so when you're getting into it, what was your favorite form of martial When you started competing, what, what form did you compete in? What was your style? I remember watching, uh, God, it was like the Kung Fu Theater. Oh, yeah. You know, and the, the, the voices were all dubbed. The Saturday afternoon Kung Fu, uh, totally. So after watching that, my niece and I, who were about the same age, actually, she, I think she's two months older than me, which is weird. My yeah. sister's all older than me. I have nieces and nephews the same age. Uh, we would jump on the bed and try to kick each other and stuff. So I always thought the kicking part to me was kind of fun. And I, I thought like, oh, yeah, and I liked running. So it was just kind of like this whole, I thought I was, yeah, I could do this kicking thing. Cool. And so when did you start really, when did you start competing? Um, I started, I went to a gym in 94 with one of my buddies uh, to lift weights. And it was called LA Boxing. It just happened to be by the 55 freeway. Went in there to lift weights, lifted weights for a little bit. And they had a bag rack. So one day I'm like, I'm going to jump in there and do a bag class. And why not? We're here. My buddy's like, sure, whatever. So started hitting the bag in the class and the instructor came over and he said, hey kid, you got a good kick. And that was, that was literally all I needed. And how old were you at the time? I think I was about 15, 15, 16. Okay. So that, that's what kind of got the, the, that fired up. I was like, all right, cool. So I kept going back there. I wanted to learn, you know, how to punch better. I wanted to learn the footwork. I wanted to learn how to jump rope, hit the speed bag. And this kind of kept, kind of kept going. At that time, too, my parents uh, had split up, so I really had nowhere to go. So I was, I was staying with buddies, like sleeping on their couches. So that was like a really good outlet for me. It was, to me, it was a positive outlet because I was like, all right, I feel normal when I'm done training. It's well, it gave you a place to go, gave you something to do, gave you something to kind of focus on. Yeah, yeah. So and that was, I, I feel very fortunate being able to have fallen into that. And when, when did you start competing? When did you start like doing like tournaments um, or competitions? I, my very first smoker fight was 1996. Uh, I fought in La Puente in like a little church with, uh, God, what was his name? Phil McPhail, I think his name was. Um, he, he recently passed away, well, like probably two years ago from cancer. Um, and then the guy who got me the fight, uh, God, what was his name? Freddy, Freddy Madrano, I think. He, uh, his dad was when they got me the fight. He said, hey kid, did you have fun? And I said, yeah. And I won barely by a split decision. And I said, yeah, that was a lot of fun. He goes, keep training and get you another fight. So I didn't have a trainer or anything. I just went to the gym, hit the bag, ran to the gym, rode my bike. And uh, he got me a fight a month later. I fought at the Four Queens in Las Vegas against one of Master Toddy's guys. Uh, Eight-ounce boxing gloves, no shin pads or anything. And I Was it full Muay Thai or was it kickboxing? What style? There was, no, there was no elbows. It was kicks okay. to the leg and everything. Okay. No, no elbows, though. There was clinch. Um, and it was, to me, it was fun. I, I have a picture of that day. And I have the biggest smile on my face. I invited a bunch of my buddies from high school. I was like, hey, I'm going to be fighting in Vegas. So we had drove up. And literally, the time I was walking out from the back, they were walking into the, to the ballroom. And I saw them, and I, I nodded at them. I was like, yeah. And I walked in, jumped over the ropes. And I remember not being nervous, just thinking, like, super, like, 
fired up and ready to do it. The bell rang. Um, he was really tall. I threw an overhand, hit him right on the chin. We got into a little bit of an exchange, and then I dropped him, and then they stopped the fight. Wow. So then he kind of got into it just right away. Yeah, like literally. I link back now. I think maybe they're, okay, this kid will get beat up, and then he'll come train. But I was, <laughs> and uh, I got 100 bucks. It was the same weekend as the Mike Tyson fight. Oh, wow. So I was wearing credentials, and I had a little bit of a shiner. Yeah. And I was all, it was like the Fremont Street of downtown Vegas. So everyone's like, oh, did you fight this weekend? And I was like, yeah, 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 I just fought. And they're like, oh, cool. So I think back now, they probably thought I was fighting on the Mike Tyson undercard. Yeah. So everyone, they're, they're letting me and my buddies from high school go in this class. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about it, because you did that, so that was what, 96? Uh, that, that one was 97. Cause Nine, it was just, okay. Yeah. So that was right after, that was right when the UFC was just starting. They just yeah. had come out with like their, their all, all forms tournament, right? Yeah. And that was also when Vegas was going, because in the early 90s, when I was in college, Vegas was all about the family bullshit. You know, bring your family here, you know, yeah. bring your kids. We got, and in about the mid-90s is when it, when it was like, all right, forget that. We're, we're in the adult playground. You know, we're, they, they got rid of all the family stuff in the early 90s. They, you know, MGM got rid of their amusement park, and it was like, all right, this is, let's, just, let's make Vegas what it is. So 97, 96, 97, if you started fighting up there, you know, number one, MMA is coming on the scene, starting to become, there's a little bit of popularity. Two, Vegas is turning into what it is now, just like a complete debauchery. Oh. 72 hours just going party. How was it? Like, was that, Does that kind of define the era come up in, that you're coming up in? Definitely. I mean, I don't even have to say anymore after that. You said it all right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, essentially. And I remember the guy uh, that was the main event, the, that first fight. It was, it was January of 97. Because that, that lap, the first fight I ever had with all shin pads and headgear was uh, 96. So... Dewey Cooper was his name. Dewey Cooper was the main event. I still, you know, we've trained together and stuff. I've, they still follow the guy on social media. The guy's a legend in kickboxing. Um, it's kind of funny. That, uh, yeah, that, that whole weekend after that just turned into a, a debacle with my buddies. And from there, what, what happened? How did you, what, who did you start training with? And where did you get started? Um, appropriate? So I started teaching class at LA Boxing. Okay. Because they were like, hey, let's get this kid. Uh, uh, how, how the whole fight thing started is I was there. Like, hey, get this kid open the gym on Saturday mornings. So I was like, I'll open the gym. So I just sit there and like, hey, if someone comes in, you can sign them up and you're going to get a percentage. And I was like, all right, cool. So I started to be able to sell memberships. And then uh, my instructor, who I went to a different gym, went to a place called Brazilian Martial Arts to start actually training and sparring all the time. And uh, the guy didn't speak really good English. He spoke uh, Portuguese. He got a job with LA Boxing here in Dimitri. They just opened. So I went over there with him, kind of like an assistant instructor. So one of the guys goes, hey, bro, you want to teach my next class? He's like, I'm going to go across the street. And I was like, uh, I don't, he goes, you're already teaching class. Here's 20 bucks. Yeah. I was like, all right, guys, jumping jacks. <laughs> so I'm selling memberships at the gym. I'm, I'm teaching classes. And, uh, you know, the, the, the kid's dad came in one day and said, do you have any sparring for my kid? And I was like, how much does your kid weigh? And he's like, like 145 or something. That's about how much I weigh. I go, I'll spar your kid. So that's how the whole thing started. So he's like, can I videotape it? And I was like, yeah, sure. So he put it up the video camera and then we sparred. I think back now he was just toying with me. Yeah. I didn't really understand how to spar. I was like, ah, trying to really guy and uh, he's like yeah let me know and get you a fight so he got me my first smoker fight he got me my first few fights like five fights and then cool. after that just kind of kind of kept going I was just teaching class and then uh, funny because the guy who gave me the nickname Razor the guy who asked me to cover his class yeah. was like here's 20 bucks cover the class I said yeah man I got a fight coming up he said hey bro I came in one morning he threw me a box and I opened the box and it was a pair of black and green shorts and then they were embroidered razor on the front so this company called Muay Thai Products uh, made the shorts. They made uh, Muay Thai products, the gloves, uh, wraps. Uh, they made robes and this whole thing. 
She said, hey, man, you talk to the owner. You know, he's looking to maybe sponsor you if you want to fight and more of their stuff. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I saw I got the name, nickname Razor. Uh, the color, black and green, kind of stayed. And uh, that guy, his name was Mike Nolte that owned uh, Muay Thai Products. He asked me, you know, a couple months later, hey, man, you know, you're doing really well. I've been on a, on a streak. He said, you should start training with some guys who are, are straight Thai boxing. And I was like, what's Thai boxing? And he's like, that's... You've never been exposed to that before? Yeah. I was like, I like punching people. I might, I like kicking people. He's like, yeah, so you should probably go to Thailand. He's like, I don't know, my wife at the time, his wife there yeah. was living in Thailand. So he's like, save some money and I'll get you to go to Thailand and we'll train there. Now this is 98 now. Okay. I'm like, bro, I don't save money. Like, <laughs> I teach class and like, what I have, I buy food. And he's like, all right, don't tell my chick, but I'll sponsor you for this and we'll go there. So 98, I went to Thailand. Where did you, in Bangkok, or where'd you go? No, I went to, uh, I went to Bangkok to watch fights at Lumpini, but I trained in uh, Pattaya at okay. Sejitong okay. with Crew Toy. Okay. And so that was my first uh, first experience there. And then I trained at another gym. It was a smaller gym with a bunch of kids. And I just watched their footwork and what yeah. they were doing. Because I, I was pretty proficient. I knew I could, I could sling with the best of them. I didn't mind kicking people, but the watching the, the way they kicked and the clinch, yeah. I wasn't real familiar with. So watching and clinching, and then like the parents of the kids with the littles, they're like, hey, uh, you, 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 big, you train. Yeah. So they wanted me to clinch with their kids because their kids were small, like 14. So I understand how to do it from the, oh, that's why I want to pummel underneath. So it became uh, really fun. How long were you in Thailand? The first time I was there for a month. Second okay. time I went back for three weeks. That's cool. Yeah, so it was a good experience. When I came back, I was just, I was on a, I was on a tear. I had got a trainer, uh, a French guy, Jean Creo. We worked together for quite a while. Yeah, he, he got me... He got me through quite a few fights, you know, technically. It was fun. Every time we do mitts, it was like we were trying to fight each other, but he had mitts on, so I was just like, hold the mitts up. Uh. And when I would get tired, he'd start kicking me. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, it's like that. So, so you have to defend yourself. You know, yeah. kind of come after you when you're, when you're kind of yeah. dragging. Yeah, and I realized that I had another, uh, I guess like another gear. Yeah. Right? Like, man, okay, you get a little tired. And I was like, oh, I knew if I got mad, there was like another gear I could go to. Yeah. So he brought that out. So we did some good stuff together. And then Colin Oyama... Who uh, he was also a trainer at at uh, LA Boxing, and then uh, when I left that trainer, Jean, my manager was like, "Hey, I want you to train with Colin," and Colin and I went on a fifteen fight win streak. And then oh wow! Yeah, and he was gonna be he was on his way to he passed the bar exam was gonna be a lawyer, and he's like, "Hey, this this coaching thing is pretty fun. Like, I wanna I wanna see how this goes." And so you know he he still has Uncle Creepy and a bunch of other guys that he trains. He started Team Oyama. Cool. Yeah, so. And so how long did you fight overseas or did you fight primarily in the States? Um, kickboxing all in the States, primarily in the States. Uh, I did fight overseas. My last fight I fought uh, in Dream in Tokyo. Okay. Uh, and what was your favorite, what was your favorite, when you were training, when you're in the professional game and you're, you're training all the time, what was your favorite thing about training? My favorite thing about training was, uh, God, I mean, every piece of it. Every piece of it was, was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I realized I was a little bit cut from a different cloth than most people because at like 10 years old, my mom took me to football practice. And I said, Mom, I don't know how to play football. I don't know the rules. And she yeah. said, Neil, they're going to teach you. And she took me to practice every single day. And uh, they used running as, as a disciplinarian thing. Yeah. It, was, you know, it was almost like a negative. Oh, guys, go run. I liked running because I yeah. ran with my dad when I was little. So to me, it was fun. So I realized, oh, I'm a little bit different because everyone's was like, oh, and hell week, like everyone was whining about it. And I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. I liked working out. So I realized, okay, 
I remember thinking this when I was 10. If, if uh, school doesn't work out for me, I can always be a professional athlete. That's cool. Yeah, so having that, you know, playing youth sports and, and being able to hear that. And then I heard my coach tell my mom. She went to literally every single game, every single practice, and sit there and watch me. Um, he said to her, he's the smallest kid on our team, but he's got the biggest heart. And he's like, if, he had, if we had every single kid here at a heart like him, we'd be champions every year. And I was, you know, getting all my gear, and I heard him say that, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That is pretty, especially if you're young. Yeah. And you're just getting into sports. And then, you yeah. know, so you kind of, so you like being active, and you like, you know, kind of being kinetic. So you're probably the type of guy that hated being in the classroom and, and just... Um, not that I hated being in the classroom. It was, uh, I was always the jokester. Yeah. So everything was super fun for me. I turned it into, and they're like, oh, God. So I was like a teacher's nightmare. I was yeah. like, oh, dude. Which coming up as like MMA became more popular in the late nineties, early two thousands, are you surprised at how popular it is now? What do you think? You know, kind of what, you, what are you surprised by its popularity and how mainstream it is now? Um, I'll be totally candid and honest. Yes, I went to high school. One of the high schools that I went to because I went to four high schools. The last one that I went to was Huntington Beach High School. Okay. So I went to school with Tito Ortiz, who's older than I was, and Tony Gonzalez. They're both older than me. Um, but I remember Tito was about the same size he is now. He's a big yeah. dude. In high school, his head was the same size too, <laughs> um, and uh, just because I was living at my buddy's houses, he was dating uh, my buddy's sister, and it was the house that I lived at. The guy who said, "Hey, let's go to this gym," yeah. and they have weights, and I, the guy's like, "Hey, man, good kick." Her name was Heather Reynolds, and this was Mike Reynolds. So Tito's in there, he's like, "What's up, bro? I'm Tito." I was like, "Hey, man, what's up?" And I had wrestled when I moved to Alaska, so I wrestled for a year in sixth grade, and uh, and no one liked me, so I was like, uh, I was like, wrestling's not my thing. I really kick people. And I remember my buddy, he, he had wrestled, too. So I remember in the living room of his house, my buddy was like, hey, man, Tito, yeah, Rob wrestled, bro. We should get him on the team. And he tried to take me down and got into a big scramble on the living room floor. Yeah. And he was like, hey, kid, if you want to wrestle, man, come in. So I was like, oh, thanks, bro. But to me, that was like, this is like the big buff dude. This is like yeah. the dude. And he, like, he just saw me as like, a, all right, this dude, he's asking me to come wrestle. So I was like, that was kind of cool. So I was kind of like, all right, he validated this. Yeah. So I, I knew him in high school, but we weren't like buddies or homies. And then uh, when he fought his first UFC fight, I was already I was already training, competing, and working at the gym. He came back to uh, he came back to, to Huntington Beach, and he went into my gym. So I was like, "What's up, bro? How you been, man? I saw you fought." He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna start doing this." So I think I'm gonna train here. I was like, "Well, I, I teach here, bro. If you want to train," he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And so he was kind of telling me what he, his plan was. And then uh, he came in one day and he was working out and I was sparring, and he goes, "Yeah, I want to mix in with some of that." I was like, cool, bro, come in here. I was like, there's no takedowns, though. And I was just kicking him yeah. in the leg and punching him. He was just kind of standing there. I was like, bro, I can do this all day. So I was, just, you know, I was like, you can't take me down. I'm just going to tattoo you. And then at the end, I was like, hey, where do you run? Because I have a five-mile run I do every yeah. night. And he's like, I don't really run. I was like, oh, bro, let's go for this run. So we started running together, doing conditioning. He started bringing guys in. He started Team Punishment out of that gym, too. Oh, cool. Yeah, so he still has Team Punishment and Chris Cyborg's on it. And he's got a bunch of other people, so... So, but you've been surprised with, like, the mainstream, how mainstream UFC or MMA is now. He was the one that said, bro, I'm telling you right now, you got, they kept, him and my buddy Tiki Dawson, that's why I put them in my office. Okay. They kept telling me, hey, man, you got to cross over the dark side. And I'm like, bro, I'm not into the whole grappling thing. I wasn't that good at wrestling. Yeah. I was like, hey, I just want to, kickboxing, bro. That's where I'm at. I'm going to do more time. And he's like, well, you want to make some money? I'm telling you, this is the sport of the future. And that's what Tito kept telling me. I was like, bro, I don't think this is the sport of the future, but I don't know, whatever. I look back now and I'm like, man, like this this weekend we went to the World Cup of Wrestling and, and uh, the Freestyle Cup and the Forum. Okay. 
and we drove there, and his his Phantom Rolls Royce. So I'm just like, <laughs> so he did something right. He, he did he, something right. He, he did something right. Yeah, and I mean, I can't complain either. Like being, you know, coming from where I came from and being able to be a homeowner and have a family, raise this on essentially everything that I've done, yeah. the fruits of my labor. So it was, uh, it was definitely the right choice. It was fun. It was a little interesting because I came from, you know, being a Muay Thai champion and, and being that being that guy to strike and everyone asking questions, and then all of a sudden I had to tick that off the side to get on the mat and just get tossed around by all these dudes. And it was, everybody wanted to come train with Tito because he had just won the belt. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, Randy Couture and his team, which was Dan Henderson and, uh, God, who So you trained with those, all those guys? All those dudes. Yeah, everybody, everybody came to our gym. Oh, and that was right here in, uh, in Huntington? Yeah, Huntington Beach, yeah. Scott Adams, who was the president of WEC. I'm trying to think of his name. He's a silver medalist. He also fought Matt. Oh, God. I guess silver medalist like in oh, 2000? Uh, I forget. Matt. Matt Lindman. Yeah, he's on that cart. Yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt Lindman. He was in the silver medalist, I believe, right? In the Olympics. I think everybody that was super good at wrestling, too. Um, I was fortunate to train with so many of these guys that were, you know, became huge champions. And I was like, ah. Oh. And then they all broke off and started opening their own gyms. But being able to be a part of that at, at that time, because it wasn't real big. I mean, literally, Chuck Liddell was driving his Chevy S10 down to our yeah. gym, and he'd sleep in his gym and he had a cracked windshield. Oh, he'd, wow. sleep, he'd sleep in the gym or in his truck. Yeah. I mean, this is like. Do you think that made those guys tough? Like when those guys were having to scrap and, and get by, and you know, not knowing how they're gonna gonna make make the bills, or whatever. Do you think that kind of added a layer of toughness to it? Do you think maybe the sport might have gotten watered down a little bit with the success that it's had? Well, I don't. Well, it's interesting because the sport's definitely evolved. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. Being, a, being on the Ultimate Fighter twice as a coach, being able to watch these kids and asking them, you know, hey, what are you good at? And they say, MMA. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then I watch them, I'm like, shit, they're really good at MMA. <laughs> they have, like, stand-ups, they have everything. Takedowns, the whole thing. I'm like, damn, dude. Um, uh, yeah, I think that definitely did a- add a, uh, an extra an extra level of, of being tough because, yeah, they put in the work. So there wasn't, there's definitely, you know, you're not. There's that kind of blue collar attitude. I mean, you know, that kind of come in and do work. Now, so you worked at LA Boxing the whole time. And then, I mean, so you kind of made this your career. Like, not only were you fighting as a a professional fighter, but you're working in fitness. How did that career evolve? How did your career in fitness evolve? Um, Everyone, the thing I realized is I was teaching these these bad classes, right? Which is essentially conditioning classes for regular people to come in. It's very similar to how we have the UFC gyms model now. But our, we have way more stuff now in education. Um, it was cool because those people wanted to they wanted to be around somebody who's competing because everybody wants to say I'm going to my coach's fight this weekend. Yeah. You know, so I was selling tickets like it was it was crazy. Yeah. And then uh, you know fighting locally what didn't hurt because I could be able to sell a lot of tickets and get a lot of people there. And then I was finishing fights violently was the best way that everyone was at. Was the what was how did you do it? What did you? You know, how did you get sponsors? What, yeah. How did you get signed? And I said, finish fights violently, and you people will come looking for you, and then you can mm-hmm. figure out who want, who you want to, to rep. And they're like, oh. I mean, if, they say it, too, in the locker room of the Ultimate Fighter. says, you know, if you leave it to the judges, you know, don't leave it to the judges, because you never know if they're biased or how they're scoring it. But that's how I kind of always looked at it when I was fighting, was, hey, it's me or you, and it's, I'm in, you want to be the one walking yeah, out? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm either going to die trying or try to kill you. So that's good. And then, so now you're working in fitness. What are you doing with UFC gyms? Uh, with UFC gyms, I am the senior MMA director, so I just make sure that all the programming that comes out as far as mixed martial arts stuff is it's true, authentic, and how a fighter would train. 
And what do you think? Because I've been really surprised. And one of the reasons why I want to talk to you is that the couple of gyms I've been in UFC, I, you know, I have to admit that with that bias, and, and we mentioned this, we talked about this earlier, there's that bias I have going to the UFC gym. It's going to be all like young guys, young, trying to throw down and looking for that contract, whatever. But I was really impressed with the overall layout, with the equipment you guys had, with the programming you guys had. What are you trying to do um, with the UFC gyms? What, what space are you trying to fill? What, what are you trying to meet? Well, I mean, now if you look at, uh, at as of recently, if URSA, right, if you're yeah. talking about fitness, URSA now has MMA as part of their program. Is, it looked for this as, you know, people working out, you know, it was barred, Pilates and all that stuff. And now MMA is part of it. So that is that just kind of tells you that in the in the fitness space, people realize that MMA fighters especially are they're probably the best well conditioned athletes. Not only mentally and physically, but you know, on top of all the other stuff, discipline. So it's, it adds an extra element and it's fun. And what and you can't really put a dollar value on the fact that you can protect yourself. I mean when it's all said and done, you're dick in the class and you're doing it for a while and then you realize there's a day that you go, Oh man, if actually I had to use this it probably would work and then how far you go with that it's totally up to you I would say uh, you can come train like a fighter you don't have to get punched in the face but if you do you gotta pay a little bit extra people always laugh but they're like why would I do that I think a lot of places people think they want to fight and then they jump in there and then they get they get into it and they go it's tough I mean it, it especially if tough. you're doing like a three to I mean People don't realize, you watch it on TV, it looks like one thing, but when you do something like that for three to five minutes, you don't realize how high your heart rate goes, you're, you're fighting against hormones, your cortisol, adrenaline's pumping, and it's tough to really stay focused, and so conditioning, I, I would agree with you, MMA fighters are some of the best conditioned athletes in the world. It's, it's the best way that I can describe it to somebody who's never trained is, it's human chess. Yeah. Because there's a million different moves, and then how many moves does that guy know? to your moves and then you start adding all that and then there's the conditioning element to it. So you can be really good but if you don't have the gas tank to back that up or the flexibility or the strength it's not going to matter. So it makes it really fun to watch to compete still to be a, to be a part of it and to watch these kids now go wow the sport has gone so fast. To see how quickly they come in and is MMA you, you have people of all ages and all skill levels oh, in yeah. your classes at your gyms? Yeah. I mean predominantly the gyms when they open what I'm noticing more trending is that's about 50% male, 50% female. And then as it gets open and they start doing their thing, it sways more for, for female because they start going, wow, this is a really good workout. And this is a gym where like anybody can come work out. Kids, older people, younger people. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun and we do have the whole gamut between kids' classes, conditioning classes, skill technique classes. And for anybody, all if I'm in my 40s, because I start doing MMA, I mean, could I show up and start taking your classes, do you guys have like a beginner level or you just kind of throw people in and they learn as they go? Yeah, I mean, if you were to look at it like uh, levels, we do have uh, we do have gi jiu-jitsu. So there's there's classes that are level one, level two, level three. Um, then we have conditioning classes. Essentially, if, you're, if you've been doing a, a class for a while or you've done, uh, trained before in the past, then you're going to still have to be in shape, right? So those conditioning classes kind of get you there. And that's probably our bread and butter is the people coming to the conditioning classes, the bad classes. We have a class called Daily Ultimate Training, which is DUT. Yeah. I kept saying, man, we should we should call it something else. And then our VP of fitness is like, everyone that does CrossFit knows what the WAD is. And I said, that's true. And he goes, well, this is our WAD, is DUT. And I said, oh, okay, that makes sense. But it's a lot safer because it's, you know, there's not Olympic lifts in there. You're, you're not going in just sagittal plane of motion. You're starting with uh, self-mild fast release. We do a warm-up, cool down, all stuff. So... Uh, I do uh, I do like what we what we have to offer because it is very unique 
in the space and, and it is you know trained like a fighter and that's why I think it's cool and people don't realize that because and that's what, what what I was surprised about coming in here Rob was seeing like how inclusive you guys were trying to be and, and that you're not just trying to, to go after a very you know the 18 to 20 or 18 to 32 year old guy you're not doing that but you're trying to really be inclusive and I think you're trying to I like the fact that you're giving giving confidence to that. So what's if, so as you've gotten a little bit older now, um, what's changed for you in your training? How have you changed your training styles? Yeah, now that you're no longer competing for a living, but I'm sure are you still training like you you were fighting? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's I guess that's the, that's the uh, that's the uh, old habits die hard. I yeah. guess right would would be the one thing. Uh, I was always really skinny growing up, so to me like I didn't, I always watched what I ate, but I was pretty lean as as it was. As I got into my 30s and had kids and had junk food around and stuff, I started going, ah, I started, dude, what's this? Like, I'm getting kind of chubby. So I started going, all right, I need to, like, start training. And it was just, it was funny because I started thinking, all right, I'm just going to lift weights. Like, I don't, I'm not making a weight class anymore, so I can, I can lift heavy. I can eat a lot more. I can, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, oh, God, i got to cut weight. So that, that kind of got, I, I kind of went backwards, started lifting weights and doing my own thing, kind of lifting out more. Most people do workouts. Then I started adding a little bit of running. Then I started getting back into gi jiu-jitsu. I was like, ah, this is kind of fun. And then I just kept thinking, man, what do I need to do to burn more calories? That's still going to keep me, you know, moving around. I'll, you know, I should hit pads. That's a good idea. So it's kind of funny. I started hitting pads, and I was like, man, I'm, a, I'm starting to see my abs again. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot how good of a workout that really is. And plus, it's fun. Like, so are you doing that regularly now? Are you, yeah. Are you still, like, going yeah. in and I mean, I'll do two a day sometimes. Oh, really? Just yeah. to get it in and... Yeah, I teach a lot still, so... Oh, really? You teach yeah. here locally? Yeah. I mean, last week, I, t- I trained the Navy SEALs in Coronado. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, I mean, I, I, I'm I fortunate to teach a lot of seminars and travel the world and do that. So, doing that, you do you do get a lot of... Uh, seminars for steps. UFC Gym or for other other companies or other... Um, Seminars for UFC Gym, seminars for striking uh, or, and mixed martial arts. Okay. Yeah, I also teach suspension training, TRX, self-modifash release. And now on that note, I, I, I had a conversation with Randy Hedrick last, last week, and you had mentioned, I told him that I'd met you, and I told him that you're big, that UFC is a big fan of, um, of TRX, and he told me the story. What, how'd you guys meet, how'd you meet Randy Hedrick? When did you guys come across? I think it's a really cool story. I, that is a really cool story, to be honest. Um, it was, I think, 2002. Two thousand. That long ago, okay. Yeah, I have a gym in Huntington Beach called HB Ultimate Training Center. It happened to be right by his dad's house, I guess. Yeah, that's what I said. just finished a workout, and I, you know, I still taught class. So from LA Boxing, my buddy and I went and started our own gym. We started a gym because you know it was Tito Ortiz, myself, Tiki, uh, a guy Fabiano Iha, who's the king of arm bars, all UFC guys, and uh, you know they're doing the thing like, yeah, we're, we're all we're all gonna grapple, and I was like, cool. They're like, you can do stand up and do the conditioning stuff. I was like, all right, that's cool. So we started our own gym, and uh, we had a bunch of regular people come and they want to train with us. Um, Randy came in one day, kind of said, "Hey man, I have these cool straps, uh, uh, you know, blah blah blah." And I was like, "Are you a Navy SEAL?" And the dude's a big guy, so yeah, when I picture strong. Navy SEALs, I picture I picture like short little frog guys, right? Yeah, frog yeah. men. And yeah. so I was just like, "Hey, that's a lot of I very much respect for you, dude. Navy SEAL. That's super awesome." My dad was in you know the military, my sister was in the military, so I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Can I run you through like a little workout for like thirty minutes?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, sure, bro." So he ran me through a workout. Um, left me the straps, still have the straps. Oh, cool. Yeah, the original ones that yeah. you left you. That's yeah. pretty cool. And uh, and he's like, hey, thanks, bro. Super cool, man. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, let me know if you want, if you have any questions about stuff, you know, we're kind of trying this out. And uh, so that was my first experience with Randy Hetrick and TRX. And, I, and we still have the straps of the gym. It was funny, though, because like, unless you really, he, he ran us through a workout, 
But unless you go through a training course with somebody who teaches you how to use, and, it, and that's any kind of modality. Yeah. It could be foam rolling. It could be a kettlebell. If you if you're just if someone shows you a workout and that's all you know, then your takeaway is ah, eh, you can only do a couple things. But when you realize how to really use it and you spend like a good a day or do a course on it, it you're like wow, this thing is amazing. I can't believe I worked out without this. So um, we did fast forward a couple years ago. There was the NEV, which is New Evolution yeah. Adventures, which was a Mark Mastroff, the owner of Twenty Five yeah. Fitness, the founder. He uh, they also partly own UFC gym with UFC. So there's a huge convention every year they have. Randy Hetrick was a guest speaker. Now there's people from around the world at this. My family's there. Um, this is huge. There's like hundreds of people. And Randy comes up and tells that same story. Yeah. I see that Rob McCullough's here, and I just want to say, super cool. And he told the story about Huntington Beach, and he came in and did a workout. And I was like, man, he remembered that. I can't believe he remembered that. Because I, I recognized him, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's dude. I mean, the guy makes, it's like a $60 million a year company. Well, and he's he was, run it. It's huge, yeah. Yeah, and he was selling him out of his car at the time. So yeah, I was like, wow. But that, that I think, is one of the cool kind of like the soap stores of this whole thing, right? Is So you you guys ground up. I mean, the guys that became big stars, you know, from fighting started out and they worked their tail off and they got to where they are. Now, you know, you're successful as, you know, you've been a successful fighter. You're successful in fitness. You see somebody like Randy. It, how, what do you, how do you attribute this success? Is it because of your ability to train and stay focused? How, I mean, why is it that all of you guys have reached a certain level of, like, kind of, of success in your lives? Um... It's funny because I just saw this thing too. It was talking about Navy SEALs in general, but they're saying the forty percent rule. When you think you can't go any further, you know you still got forty more percent, which I I totally agree. Like I think you, however you grow up or however you know, and it doesn't have to be from a broken home or anything crazy like that. But you get a different level, and it's either going to break you or it's going to make you stronger. And I think that you know some people get that and they just kind of keep it. And, they want to work harder. And that's the guys that I saw that did it really well. You know, like the majority of those guys that came to are now Hall of Famer guys. They, uh, they, they welcomed the hard work. You know, they, you know like, oh, it's, you know, I'm not getting paid enough for this. And then you never heard him, you know, cry about any of that stuff. It was like, all right, cool. What's next? What's yeah. next? Like they were there to like do the work and... Well, it's a certain mentality too, right? Because yeah. I think when you fight, I, th- I think you, you, it's not that you expect to lose, but you're going to lose. It's how do you deal with it? You know, we see that with some of the people now that, that have lost recently in the, in the top level. It's like, okay, everybody's going to lose, but how do you deal with it? How do you come back from a loss? Do you think that has a lot to do with uh, being yeah, successful? Yeah, and it's funny you say that now too because, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, 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 at, in martial arts in general, if you are a true martial arts and it's funny because I wouldn't have said, if you would have asked me that like 15 years ago, I would have laughed at you and been like, dude, this guy's an idiot. I would have been like, I'm a fighter, bro. No, I, I realize now I'm a martial artist and I'm on a journey. And that journey led me you know, through some, some different worlds. It got me to here now. And it's been fun. I've been able to be able to share that with other people. Um, yeah, you, you get on the mat and you think you're the guy and there's a lot of ego there. And then someone taps you and realizes like, hey, you... I could have, if I wanted to, I could have killed you. And you're like, oh. And at the end, you guys shake hands and say, thanks, man. And you learn, all right, note to self, don't do that again. Or, hey, I'm going to get better at doing this. Or, hey, the next time I roll something, I'm going to do that move to them. So there's a lot of checking your ego. And well, you define, you identify your weaknesses. Yeah. And then you work on, because I think the people that truly excel are the people that, that learn how to work on their weaknesses. And then that, and they turn their weakness, rather than relying on just their strengths. Yeah. The guys that rely just on their strengths, they hit some level, whatever, but then they don't grow. You know, you look at guys like Randy, having talked to him recently, and look at guys like you, I think what sets you guys apart is that 
if you identify a weakness, you don't just leave it alone. You develop it. You grow it. You you work on it to turn it into a strength. Is that would that be right? Yeah, and I, yeah, for sure, one million percent. I had I used to use that as a as a uh, kind of like a metaphor. There was a guy who fought in UFC. He'll remain nameless for the story, but he would come train with us, and he never got out of his comfort zone. And I used to watch him, and I was like, what is the point of this guy coming to train with us? Just to say he trained with us? Because we'd go spar, and he'd jump rope. We'd go, we'd do, uh, you know, heavy rest, wrestling practice and turn into, like, everybody trying to choke each other, and he'd jump rope. We'd do some sprint work at the track, and he'd jump in a little bit, and he'd kind of do his own thing. And I was like, what is the fucking, what's the point of that? And yeah, I came from being a stand-up guy, and I was like, all right, cool, what's the worst spot? Like, to me, what would be the worst spot? All right, pinned up against the fence. All right, so we're going to start here. All right, ready? And I get on my chest. All right, go. I try to put myself in horrible positions so that after a while I realize, like, hey, if those aren't so horrible anymore, then I still have all my strengths, and we're just getting better. And that's kind of how, it's another mentality to look at that I guess most people don't, can't identify with. They'd rather just be like, oh, I'm really good at this. Or they hit they hit a wall and they just like ah, that's enough. They're like I did it, and they don't they don't try to put they don't try to get that extra forty percent. They don't try to even get that extra one percent. They're like ah oh, okay, and then they kind of turn around and, and walk away. I think what sets guys like you apart is that you look at that and go that's not I'm not gonna let this beat me. You may have beaten me today, but I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna get be ready for it. I remember fighting Josh Thompson. I fought Josh Thompson like in two thousand three, I think two thousand four two thousand three. And thought I was going to do a lot better than I did. He took me, and I didn't know much about him either. He took me down. He caught me in a triangle in the first round, and I escaped, and I used all my, I was like, <sighs> and I got out of it. And I was like, ugh. I, did, I kept walking, 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 ugh. I remember I was so tired, and he just kept taking me down, elbowing me in the face, and holding me down. I kept getting up, ugh. And I walked right to the corner, and, and calling him, and I said, hey, man, my face was pretty smashed. My eyes were closing, and he goes, do you want me to throw the towel? And I was like, no, dude, I'm going to knock this dude out. And he's like, Bro, he keeps taking you down. Stay away from the fence. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no. In my mind, I was not keeping up. And I remember after that fight, I ended up not being able to, like, I was like, ah, sitting in the hotel room with ice on my face. And I was so disappointed because I was like, I'm so much better than this that I had an opportunity to fight in a tur- an eight-man tournament, uh, like, two months after that. And I fought in the eight-man tournament, and I won that. And it was purely on the fact that I was so mad that I lost to Josh Thompson in the way that I did. I was like, God, I'm so much better than that. And I fought three guys that night. I won the tournament. That's crazy. Yeah, and I, and I did that purely on the fact that I was like, ah, I'm better than this. Yeah, so you just you, you take it. You, if you got a setback, you just like you you, you you try to overcome it. You don't let it slow you down. I mean, it might yeah. be a hiccup, but it's not going to get you off the road. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's what you get when you realize that like, hey, you, there always will be somebody faster, younger, stronger, taller. It's like, hey, that's cool, but you got to figure out what works best for you and just keep it moving. Okay, to wrap this up, what do you want people to know about, now that you've been working, how long have you been with UFC gyms? Uh, they acquired my company in 2012, I think it was, 2013. So, and what do you want people to know about, about like, what can they expect if they come into a UFC gym? I started a gym just like this, and you know, with the positive encouragement and the kind of programming that we offer, you can literally do anything, and from self-defense to just getting in really good shape, it's a fun place, and not just for guys, for girls, I mean the empowerment kind of thing that you can't really put a dollar value on when you realize, hey, I can protect myself or I can protect my girlfriend or my family or my wife or whatever that is. Like, you can't put a dollar value on that and it's a lot of fun. And it doesn't have to be anything that does with MMA. We have, you know, the, the conditioning classes that are a lot of fun. We have TRX and all that other stuff. So it's it's fun. We're literally all over the planet now. So it's a great place to come in and, and work out. If you got kids, 
I mean, I couldn't, you know, I have two little boys. My six-year-old trains. He's been training since he was three. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and it's it's fun because you see them turn into, like, you know, little little people, and they, and they get respect because they understand, all right, hey, I, you know, maybe I should share because, you know, that's a nice thing to do. It's, it, it's, a, it's a great family and community place. So if you get to go to UFC gym, there's one by your house, check it out. Cool. I'll have the UFC gym web, uh, website down in the show notes. And, hey, man, thanks for your time, Rob. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. thank you. No way. Shake the hand. Well, there you go. A great conversation with Robbie McCullough, the senior MMA director for UFC Gyms. Um, I have to say, it was a lot of fun getting to know Robbie, and it's been a lot of fun doing a little bit of work. I've been working on a project with UFC Gyms, and I really have to say that um, my bias was that I would go there and it'd be full of like 20-something bros, all tatted out, you know, Ed Hardy t-shirts, faux hawks everywhere, tattoos. But no, it wasn't like that. Um, the, the three or four UFC gym locations I've been in have been very, very surprising because they're very oriented to all folks, all people, um, and they have a ton of programming for all levels. And they, they're one of the few gyms I've seen that really, few commercial gyms I've seen that really have a lot of emphasis on kids programming too. So I really think that over the course of the next couple of years, you're going to see a lot of cool stuff come from UFC gyms. If you have one in your area and you haven't checked it out, Please stick your head in and try it out. Um, you can do you know, unique classes there. They obviously have an emphasis on MMA-style programming, but they have a wide variety of other classes as well. And I really, um, I honestly love that story that, that Robbie and Randy um, both knew each other. And, and I mentioned to Randy, uh, Randy Hedrick, the inventor of TRX, um, that I was doing some work with Rob. And Randy told me that story about how he met Rob. And, and it's just, it's cool to hear the synergy and the synchronicity between those two guys and to see the growth of TRX and to see the explosive growth of MMA is really been um, kind of a cool thing to sit back and watch. So not sure what that means for your fitness program, but just um, what I try to do with this podcast is to introduce you to people, programs, equipment, companies that I think are doing good stuff in the fitness industry. Um, obviously, you know, the, the human condition is that sometimes we all make mistakes, but I really try to put out, put, put forward people, programs, equipment, and companies that are doing the right thing and trying to deliver a good, solid, credible, reliable fitness product. And I really feel strongly about that for UFC gyms. And um, in no way, shape, or form, I'm not getting paid for them or not getting paid by them or anything like that. I just have been really impressed with what I've seen. So that's why I wanted to, to do a podcast with Robbie. On that note, um, I do have a couple sponsors. I have I do have TerraCore uh, by Vicor Fitness, V-I-C-O-R-E fitness.com. Please check that out. I also have Active Motion Bar. Active Motion Bar has been uh, an original sponsor of All About Fitness. So Active Motion Bar, A-C-T-I-V, M-O, um, Active, A-C-T-I-V motionbar.com. Um, please go check it out. Um, it's one of the first uh, shifting mass weights that we have in the industry. And I'm getting ready to announce a new sponsorship. I'm working with, uh, hopefully everything um, falls into place. One of the next podcasts, I'll be happy to announce a new sponsorship with uh, an equipment company that will allow you to get a discount on their equipment that you can purchase. So um, I'm in the final stages of that. I don't have everything nailed down on that yet, but please uh, keep on listening and come back. And as always, if you have any ideas um, for people you'd like to hear me interview, if you have any ideas um, on show... Um, show ideas, or if you have any feedback, um, I'm as I mentioned in the introduction, I'm really trying to get a handle on this whole 
podcasting technical thing. It is not my purview. I can tell you how your muscle fibers work. I can tell you how your fascia connects uh, individual muscle motor, you know, muscle fibers to one another and muscle cells to one another. I can tell you probably multiple exercises to train any part of your body. However, um, this whole thing of computers and technology and stuff is, is brand new to me. So for those of you who have been listening, I really, I, I really am, am just am honored that uh, you give me your time and that you, you find uh, this podcast helpful. And really, um, I look forward to having you listen to me in the future. So with that, I'm going to sign off. And if you get an opportunity, please check out UFC Gyms. And I'd really like to thank Robbie McCullough for his time um, and energy and giving me his time. So have a great day. And if you have any feedback, please email me at Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com and follow me at PeteMC underscore fitness on Twitter and Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Have a wonderful day and look forward to uh, bringing you another uh, episode of All About Fitness before too long. Take care.